everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. It is October still. We're excited. Hi, Ten. How are you doing? I'm good. It's spooky month here, and oh, it's it was a crazy week for your ghost host, man. We are... We are we're tired. ghost hosting everywhere. We're just ghosting around. We've we're gonna become the cemetery. <laughs> we're walking cemeteries, really. Um, no, it was a, a really fun week with everybody just hanging out. So thank you everybody for all of your support with the shop, podcast, all of the good things. And yeah, I get to go home back to California so next exciting. week to go wedding dress shopping. Uh, what do you call it? Haunted Mansion is now available to stream. And I felt, us. <laughs> I felt so old. Like, I know we keep talking about us being in like our crone era, but when I tell you, I felt like a literal crone hag, I've been writing out all of the saved the day, like invitations and like writing down people's addresses. I'm like, Oh, this is some old timey shit. Like, <laughs> I know I feel that way when I have to write a check. Like if someone asks you for a check and I'm like, you know, my old, my old landlord, um, I lived very I can't say nice things enough nice things about them I lived with a very old Italian family that rented me their uh apartment and they were straight Mm -hmm. off the boat and they only accepted checks (laughs) and um you know at like 25 you're like how the fuck do I write a check you know what I mean I mean I know I know how to do it but it's just not something that you do like people at the grocery store used to like bounce their checkbooks you feel like a crone when you got to do a fax when you got to write a check (laughs) I do you have panic when you have to write a check no like, no I grew up writing checks so like uh, I don't know okay. I'm okay with the checks I see it in like granted like a check like it's laid out for like what you're supposed to write and my brain is still just like what am I supposed to write like the well, if you ever need help you can call me I actually like writing um it's funny the notes that I took today I wrote them out like I love writing notes out I feel like it's the best way I can remember things and I'm like, yes. sometimes typing just doesn't help me. No, I'm the same way. And like, in a arithmetic weird... helps me. <laughs> <laughs> the calculus. <laughs> but like, in some weird way, like, I would totally like, I see you like almost every single day, but I would like do pen pals with you just to like write letters. Oh my God. Can I, I don't know if it's the effect because we're in Crone Girl Fall, but I just have like this urge to go back to like throw everything out and just write things again. I mm. want to just send people cards. Like I want to do Crone yes. things. And I don't even know if these are Crone things, but like old things that you would have done if you like were in the 90s or the early 2000s. And I think I'm going to start sending cards more often. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something very nice about getting a handwritten letter. Like there's just, I don't know, so write your notes out. You know? I love it. Like, I wish like our generation, cause like we're millennials. I wish that like we had like what the greatest generation had, which was like calligraphy classes. Oh my gosh. I know we didn't have that. I mean, I got kicked out of class cause I was left-handed when I was learning cursive, but that's about it. You're satanic at the devil's hand. El Diablo. <laughs> um, I actually have really, really, really good handwriting and I I'm very good at doing cursive and my handwriting is pretty, it slaps pretty good. So I never want to lose that. So like, I'm always trying to write whenever I can, but that's a very crone thing to like take up writing again. And just, I don't know. I also like to like write things down, like major things that happened to me. I like to write them down. I have to get like a nice, I want like a nice leather bound journal. That's some crone shit. Ooh. Ooh. I I want, I'm, I'm putting that on my Christmas list. You know what? 
Dude, I'm not even trying to sell you guys this, but that trick or treat roller we made in the store has turned me into like this anti technology person where I'm like, I must write everybody a letter and send it via pigeon. (laughs) My dearest Chelsea. No, but like, how cool is that? Like, I feel like we kind of forget the things that are very thoughtful and giving someone a card or writing something or making something is thoughtful, you know? Oh, absolutely. I don't know. Maybe that's everyone's homework today. Go write something write something down but how are you doing oh my gosh I'm good I finished the Gilmore Girls and 10 had to hear me talk about it all day in the metaphysical store yesterday I don't want to do with my life I don't I need a support group I hate the way that it ended yes I watched the Gilmore Girls in a year a lot of people ask me that I posted something on Instagram I watched I watched it all if there was anything to consume I saw it (laughs) and I'm just like genuinely like upset and I also had a panic attack today but I'm feeling better just just girls being girls (laughs) I think I'll be totally honest with you guys um I had a panic attack because I get like an outpouring of really nice messages and my dms sometimes and someone sent me something so nice today about how they like look up to me and they're happy that I shared my story and my experience of like seeing spirits because I know some people can And how like they cried when they found like our podcast and my Instagram because they felt like someone finally understood. And I just like had a panic attack. I was like, um, not because it was bad, but I was like, I don't think I'm used to. We've said this before. Not used to people saying really nice things to me, especially about my work, because it's weird. Yeah, we're not used to people like enjoying outright, like the strange and unusual it's weird. And like, I called 10 and I was like, um, there's nothing wrong with that message. It just is me. It's like, I have like this, like anxiety of mm-hmm. like, people are listening to me. Yeah. I had that the other day with, I got an email that was saying like, oh my gosh, you've inspired me to actually go out and like major in archeology. span And, and it, for me, because I was that weird one person who left California to become an archeology span major in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. It's like, wow like people out there like that (laughs) it's weird like I don't know how to bottle it up and explain it no no some people like really 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 want to become that like they want to become someone that people look up to like I never started this to become something Mm -hmm. that someone someone looked up to I just was recording a podcast every week which is fine I'm very happy about it like I'm like oh that's very sweet and nice you know I know like we get on here and we teach and a lot of a a lot of people like consume our content and I and I'm very very aware of that but I think something about this year um has we've really taken off and a lot of you have sent us great messages about how it's been really inspiring to watch it because you've been here since the beginning and it's like this year has been really crazy in terms of like how many people actually listen to our podcast? And so um, if you wonder how we handle these things, um, <laughs> it's it's still very weird to think that people are listening to me every week. And I'm entirely grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have like a had like an out of body moment this ex- this morning of like, I don't know, I'm just going to quit my job and go be a cashier because I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, do I just want to be nothing and just just do nothing? I was like getting so nervous. I was like, oh my God, you know? So mm-hmm. it is very weird. It's It's been a big year for Chelsea and Tan. You know, I graduated. I finally get to have a life. You've gone on so many, you know, paranormal investigations professionally. It's just, it's just been a lot, you know? It is a lot. And like, um, 
you know, we'll always be honest with you. Like sometimes you don't realize it because we're just constantly moving and being like, okay, we got to do this. Okay. We got to do that. But if you just take a moment to see what's going on around you, it kind of is like scary, but exciting. It is. And I'm like, oh, I know I have to keep moving because if I stop, then I have to hear my own thoughts. (laughs) I know. I think that was the problem too. I took a slow morning. It's also, you know, that time of the month. So I was, I was in my feelings this morning, but I was like, I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) I called 10. I was like, 10, I don't know if you know this, but people listen to our podcast. And she was like, yes, Chelsea. I look at the analytics every week. I'm like, do you, do you understand that people are listening to her? (laughs) They're listening to me talking about Fachi pinatas and like weird shit my family does. And they're listening to what we're saying. Breaking news, everybody. People listen to this podcast. This is 10 news. We this are is on a podcast. Do you know we're on a podcast? Am I on a podcast? Where am I? <laughs> yeah, it is entirely strange and weird, but you know, I- I'll get used to it one day. But, but for we now, are. we are entirely strange and weird. And you know what? Just two two goils, <laughs> just two crones that are just sitting yeah. here talking about crazy things. Um, but yeah, no, so thank you. Speaking of crazy things, we're we're tackling probably one of the craziest things to ever happen um, in early American history is the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. Can I talk about what inspired this episode, though? I say lay it down. Lay it out there. Okay. What inspired this episode? One, Ted and I, at the end, we are going to present to you our thoughts about Salem. I know we have talked about Salem, um, and this is not anything against Salem. We just want to talk about what we've experienced at Salem and the history of Salem and how it's extremely, extremely dark. Yes. So, um, yeah, we wanted to do the Salem witch trials because it is a really, really fascinating, sad, like when we were both researching, I just had a pit in my stomach. Like this is just a, a tragic thing that occurred. And it occurred and it caught on like a crazy fire. Like it was a spark of paranoia that like ambushed the entire Northeast. And yes. then within a year it was gone. And it's it's such an insane case study to look at for like what exactly is going on religious wise, what it exactly is going on, you know, people wise, what are people doing? Because at the end of the day, the Salem witch trials is a story of people turning on one another. Yeah. It's panic. It's hysteria. And I think through my research, I've come to a better understanding of how this happened. And I'm going to say this sympathy for everybody that was involved, because I know you're probably like, how the hell can you say that? Because they were just executing people left and right. When we present to you the religion of the Puritans, who they were, the time period, and how people were thinking, you're going to have that understanding too of like, this was just like a community thought they were doing the right thing. And that's the saddest thing about this. Yeah. And then afterwards in the, in like the thick, in the thick of it, they truly thought I'm doing something correct and made adult decisions and ultimately had to live with the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And you'll see too, that some people actually, um, did make decisions to accuse people for greed, for land, for things like that. But I want to make this very clear before we start that no one was actually a witch. So for those of us that say we are the daughter of Salem's of the witches that you couldn't burn, let me tell you something. 
These mm-hmm. people would roll in their goddamn grave if you even called them any slight of the sort of a witch because witchcraft was evil, it was satanic, and they didn't believe in it, even the people that were accused. Absolutely. So I just want to make that very clear. Um, you know, this is not something to fetishize. It mm-hmm. is weird to me that people do fetishize the Salem witch trials. Um, you know, these women and men were accused basically for no reason. Yeah, out of fear, out of fear and paranoia. And I know at the end, we're going to kind of comment a little bit more and deep dive into our own personal discussions on, you know, that weird fetish and, you know, how, you know, potentially we can do better and how we all can learn from this. All right. You want to kick us off? Where are we starting with the Salem Witch Trials? I feel like there's no good way to dive into this because any way you look at it, it is a very sad and tragic story. And we have to remember people died here. Yes. So to kind of start, I really want to set the scene because we have to put on our history hats and come along with us back to the 1600s. We are going to be talking a little bit about history prior to the 1600s, but then it's really going to kick off in the 1690s, 1692 to be exact. So during this time, you know, let's just say it, people did die. So, you know, a trigger warning for that. But um, we need to remember that during this time period, Many of the individuals in not only like the Northeast, not only Salem, not only Massachusetts, a lot of these individuals, you know, had recently immigrated from Europe. Mm -hmm. So they are coming over, they are starting a new life. They are starting over fresh and Europe for a quite a period of time did have witch hunts and witch persecutions. And this took place for quite a few centuries. And At the time period that we're talking about with Salem in 1692, Europe was on the decline of the witch persecutions. So this was still pretty fresh in everybody's mind. They had heard of it. Perhaps they knew somebody, perhaps, you know, somebody down the road, you know, stories travel. And 1692 was not the first time that witch accusations had occurred in the North American colonies or even in New England itself. But this is the first time that it occurs on this massive scale. And before we dive in even more, another little, keeping your little noggin, being bewitched and the doctor saying that, oh, this individual is bewitched or witchcraft was done on them. That was a legitimate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Today in 2023, we know that that, that's not using, you know, your medical degree, but back then that was real. And community rise, religion wise, this community in Salem, they were kind of the last outpost of the settled universe in their mind. And we need to take this into account that outside of their community, it's going to be the dark, the unknown, the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of fear surrounding this, surrounding starvation, exposure to the elements fighting with, you know, indigenous and native peoples of the area for land. And with all of this fear, they know for certain, these Puritan individuals, that the devil is very much real and he's alive. Right. That's their belief. That is their belief. It's also seen in this period um, under like puritanical beliefs that women inherently were considered more morally weaker and therefore more susceptible to sinning. So they were more inherently able to have the devil, you know, come upon them, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they thought the judges, 
thought the clergymen during this time, the citizens, and even the accusers, they thought they were doing the right thing. Like I cannot hammer that home enough is while there was so much fear, they thought that they were doing the right thing in killing 19 individuals and accusing over a hundred inherently they thought it was right i mean they really thought satan had entered their community and was like possessing people i mean like i'll go into you know some of the i mean it looks like people were in hysteria and like things were happening so if you were a person during this time period and this is all you knew and you saw someone acting this way you would mm-hmm. absolutely believe that like there was witchcraft being involved basically with the yeah. hysteria that was going on. So I think like, as I studied this more, my opinion changed on the court mm-hmm. and the people that were doing the accusing, because when you look at it from that point of view, you're like, they just genuinely thought they were trying to save their community because they were fighting some like unknown force. Yeah. And it's 1692, you know, they don't have the internet. They don't, they don't have medicine. Medicine. They don't have medicine. They don't know mental health is not something that's being talked about, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about the external forces. So it's like, yeah. and God knows what else that we don't have documented was going on. Absolutely. And on the aspect of possible mental health ties, like I would enter into evidence, possible actions of PTSD. Uh, King Philip's war was occurring in 1675 and took place till 78 And there were many attacks in the New England area Mm -hmm. where communities were going at it with the indigenous people. They were fighting over land. You had the French to the north. And this was occurring from 1690 to 92. So already we're in like this massive pressure cooker of fear and just the unknown coming together with the umbrella of the devil over them. Yeah. And I'm sure people have seen some things, you know, like if there's attacks happening in neighboring communities or villages, like probably in the most brutal of ways, you know how they used to fight wars back then Mm -hmm. Um, and sickness and people dying, you know, it's, it's not a good place to be (laughs) and they're right in the middle of it. Yes. So let's just kind of go over a timeline of how quickly this like brush fire picks up of hysteria to really see how quickly things moved with literally little to absolutely negative evidence being used. Yep. So it starts, it is January, 1692, everybody. And Samuel Paris of Salem, his nine-year-old daughter and his 11-year-old niece, they begin to act strange. And there's some something suspicious going on during this time period. Mid-February, After a month of fasting, prayer, and home remedies, so perhaps like soup, herbs, all that kind of stuff, Betty and Abigail, the daughter and the niece, they haven't improved. They're still not feeling well. They're complaining of these things. They're having fits. And the girls are then examined by a doctor. And this is going to be a local physician. Again, 1692 medical times. And the doctor then says, hey, my diagnosis as a professional is bewitchment. Okay. February 25th comes following the directions given to them by Mary uh, Tituba, who is the household slave is going to bake them a cake to figure out if, you know, these children are bewitched because there was some folk ideologies of this time that a witch cake would cure those who were bewitched. So around this time, late February, 12 year old Ann Putnam jr. 
and 17-year-old Elizabeth Hubbard are the next to become afflicted. And it's still this mysterious illness. They all have the same symptoms, but nobody knows what it is. And these new girls report terrible attacks from the invisible. And they say that there's specters and apparitions coming after them. So four days later, February 29th, these girls name three women alleging that they are witches who are harming them by invisible means. So warrants are then immediately issued for the arrest of Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tatuba. And this is the first turning point mm-hmm. of you could have stopped and turned back. So why was Tatuba accused, first of all? So it's believed that because she was an easy target, she is um, a slave. So right. we're going to go for her to- first. Nobody's going to believe her, no matter what she says. Right. And two, it's because she was believed to have been telling the young girls in the household that she worked at um, that ghost stories or, um, you know, stories from her heritage. um, She was also performing, you know, fortune telling aspects, divination. And this was done using Venus glass divination, which is they would be using egg whites and then reading what the egg whites um, mm-hmm. how they reacted in water. And really this would have been done for the young girls to figure out who they were going to marry. Because remember the only thing you were trained to do back then was be a wife. Yeah. We're in 1692. So everyone put your 1692 hat on and sit in what it's like to be a woman in 1692 in a very religious community. Yes. And fortune telling divination, anything like that, even ghost stories that is considered demonic and evil by the Puritans. Of course. So end of, end of February, March 1st, Tatuba, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne are examined in the meeting house and Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne, of course, maintain their innocence, even under extreme pressure, but under pressure Tatuba confesses. And she implicates in her confession that Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were actually witches and that she was working for satan she was working for the devil and she had signed his book and that when she signed the devil's book she saw more names and that is another turning point of why there's more in this community why did she do that we don't know right We, we don't know um historians actually have commented on the fact that if she was never accused of witchcraft we likely would have never seen her name show up in records because Tatuba seems to be like a big focal point in the Salem witch trials um she's in like this one Nancy Drew game that I play where like Tatuba was the witch in the Salem witch trials where she was like this great healer and you find her grimoire whatever and it's like um that is the name that always stands out to me I think it's because of who she is Mm -hmm. and like she actually was doing divination but was she a witch who knows she She likely was from Venezuela and then she ended up on Barbados where she was bought and then she made her way up to New England. So she's not executed. I want to make that very clear because she confesses she's not executed. Yeah. And it's like also too, not to cut you Mm -hmm. off, but is she a witch or is it just doing a folk superstition or a practice where it's like something that's just cultural, right? That's uh, that she Ah. probably had learned when she was very young. Exactly. Because those areas are known for their folk practices. And they would not have been called witchcraft or no. even folk practices. It was just superstition. Oh, something our family does. And it yeah, protects- I mean, like I say it all the time, you couldn't call my great aunt Jean Estrega a witch. She would be yeah. so offended. They 
they looked at people and if you were evil, they called you a witch. Like they'd be like, oh, that person's a strega. No stregas in our house doing witchcrafts. But like, you know what I mean? They would have never said that. Absolutely. So now we go to March 3rd. So two days after. Betty Paris, Abigail Williams, and Elizabeth Hubbard. So part of the original accusers. They are um, temporarily recovering. And the initial suspects, so the two Sarahs and Tatuba, are brought into custody right now. And Anne Putnam Jr.'s torments still continue. And she soon claims to see the specters of Martha Corey, Dorothy Good, who is the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good, yeah. and Elizabeth Proctor. So then we go to March 13th. Anne Putnam Jr. allegedly sees another specter this time of an unknown old woman sitting in her grandmother's chair. Guided, we think, by suggestion, Anne eventually identifies the specter as an elderly Salem resident, Rebecca Nurse. And this is quite possibly the biggest tipping point because Rebecca Nurse is 71 years old. She is the pinnacle of puritan society she is god-fearing she is at church every day she knows the bible forwards and backwards like she is basically who everybody should strive for and she was beloved in this community and this was quite possibly the biggest turning point in the history they execute her are you gonna get there or did, am i am i moving too fast <laughs> no we're getting there okay okay i i believe when i was doing my research i mean plot twist they do execute her and i think that's the saddest part because she was the like the community she was the puritan you know and it's like yes. if you can convict her you can convict anybody at this point and there it is and that is why it is quite possibly like the biggest turning point because after rebecca nurse is you know a warrant goes out for her arrest individuals from the church actually start a petition to be like this is not who she is like this is these are false accusations and then people start saying if you go against what we're saying we're going to try you right so right. and when we get to the evidence section of like oh how how can this happen i'm going to tell you guys how this happened because you had a couple of choices you could make if you were accused and they weren't good so continue on then it was a lose-lose situation it was a lose-lose situation and i'm going to put you in the shoes of these women so March 18th, so five days later, Ann Putnam Sr., uh, she's 31 years old, she reports spectral torment. And she is now among a small group of adult women who claim to be affected. And I do want to make this very clear. Prior to this, it's going to be very young girls making these accusations. And for the most part, this is the first time that young girls, preteens that we would kind of distinguish today, they're being taken seriously in puritan society right because the hierarchy goes men women children so they were basically not heard not seen but now now we're paying attention to them right because they're saying witchcraft Mm -hmm. so march 21st three days later martha Corey is arrested examined and held for trial march 24th having been arrested the previous day rebecca nurse is examined though she firmly maintains her innocence the torment of afflicted witnesses is enough for the magistrates to hold her for trial so she is at 71 years old sent to jail april 2nd abigail 
Abigail Williams continues to claim that the specter of Elizabeth Proctor torments her. Meanwhile, John Proctor, so Elizabeth's husband, closely monitors his servant, Mary Warren, who begins to have fits, the same kind of um, things that the other girls had. So though Mary testifies as an afflicted witness during her trial of Rebecca Nurse, her employer is an outspoken skeptic of this affliction. So John Proctor is like, this is not okay. What are we doing here? I'm, I'm using the logic and this is not okay. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure I'm not, I'm not trying to make assumptions, but if you were a woman and probably spoke out against this, they probably would have accused you of witchcraft. So it's very interesting that you have a man who's uh, standing up and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't believe in any of this. And like, what are we doing here? Like, this just seems like it's fake. And, and that's what he basically does. And He's like, this is absurd, Mary, you need to stop. It's believed that he beats her, which was normal during the time. And after this, she recants. She says, I made it up. And although the afflicted girls begin to go after her after that point to make her recant her recant, um, she then accuses her masters. So then she accuses John Proctor and his wife. So she tried to say it was them first. She gets beat. She says, no, they didn't do witchcraft. The other afflicted girls go after her, possibly peer pressure. And she goes, actually, John Proctor is leading it. Right. So we have that going on. So April 11th, nine days later, having been arrested a few days prior, Elizabeth Proctor and Sarah Cloyce, who is Rebecca Nurse's sister, are examined. During examination, the afflicted claim that both Elizabeth and her husband, John, are tormenting them and appear to be violently afflicted. This is when John Proctor is taken into custody and Sarah Cloyce and both Proctors are held for trial. April 18th, a week later, four more suspected witches are arrested. These include Giles Corey, who's the husband of Martha, Abigail Hobbs, Bridget Bishop, and the once afflicted Mary Warren, who was the ward of the Proctors. They are examined the next day. Hold on, go Abigail back there. What do you mean ward of the proctors? I don't think, have you touched upon that? I'm, I'm she, sorry, I'm kind of getting lost in your timeline. So I think just explain it a little bit more. Mary Ward worked for the proctors. She was a, um, I'm sorry, Mary Warren. She was a ward for them. So she was a servant of the household. Oh, she was okay. Enslaved. She was not enslaved, but she worked so for So she them. was the one that accused them already. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I think you said Mary Ward and I was like, I miss now. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm just making sure I'm following you. Okay, so Mary Warren, who originally accused John Proctor, is now brought in as a witch. Yep. Gotcha. Our tides are turning. So Abigail Hobbs breaks down, making her the second person to confess under duress. And of course, in the coming weeks, more are going to be arrested, not only in Salem, but elsewhere. May 10th, Sarah Osborne dies in prison in Boston, and she is the first casualty of the Salem witch trials. Um, just a trigger warning, trigger warning. Sorry. I just want to get this out of the way because mm-hmm. we forgot. Um, it can be upsetting when we talk about, um, we're not going into graphic detail about what's happening to people. We're just simply touching upon it, but it is an execution of a sorts. And if you don't want to continue on with the episode, we're not, we're not diving into detail, but we are going to be mentioning the execution of people. Yes. Okay. Carry on. May 31st, Boston minister Cotton Mather cautions against the use of spectral evidence salem says nay nay we're still using it june 2nd occurs bridget bishop is tried and condemned june 10th bridget bishop is the first person executed 
June 15th, 12 ministers of the col- of the colony advise that the court, again, should not only be using spectral evidence, right? it's falling on deaf ears again. July 19th, Rebecca Nurse, Susanna Martin, Elizabeth Howe, Sarah Good, and Sarah Wilds are executed. And when Sarah Good ascends the gallows, a reverend actually encourages her to confess on the ladder and to save her soul. And she does not at all. She actually says, if I'm a witch, then you're going to choke on your own blood. Yeah, right. She's probably just so fed up. I mean, it's just crazy. And um, we'll talk about what spectral evidence is. I'll give you the definition after the timeline. Yeah. And these executions were not humane. If you no. look into it, they are not humane in the slightest. Um, okay. So a month later, August 19th, George Jacobs, Martha Carrier, George Boros, and John Proctor and John Willard are all executed. Poor John Proctor. He was the last to die that day. So he had to watch everybody else go before him. God, And they made these like communal events, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. When Ted and I were watching the documentary, they don't really know where the execution site is. They haven't actually found it because you can't find it in the records. They they yes. tried to erase it. Um, right. I'm correct on that. They found it. Oh, they did find it. I thought you I thought when we were watching the documentary, they couldn't find it at all. Or they had like an assumption of where it was. They did. And then there was a final piece of information that they did discover ah. it. Gotcha. I should have watched the ending, (laughs) but it was like a community event where people went and like had to go and watch the execution happen of like, this can happen to you too. So pray to God. So this execution where John Burroughs is John Proctor is part of George Burroughs does something that quote unquote, witches should not be able to do. And I'm I'm going to talk about this. He's going to do that. And Chelsea's going to cover it. So there is something that apparently witches cannot do, but he did, which begs the question, are there even witches? Right. So September 19th comes. 71-year-old Giles Corey is taken into an open field near the Salem jail, and he is pressed to death. And he is pressed because he will refuse to enter a plea in the trial, which Today, if you are on trial for something, you either have to enter the plea of guilty, not guilty. But if you're like, I'm not speaking, the trial will still continue. Like we have places and things in motion that will still move the trial along. 1692, not so much. They cannot start the trial until you enter a plea. So this trial comes to a screeching halt. So they're like, oh, we'll make you talk. We're going to press you, which is you lay on the ground. A wooden slab is put on top of you and then heavier and heavier rocks, bricks are placed on top of you until you speak. But he never did. And this punishment lasted three days until he passed. So September 22nd, a few days later, Martha Corey, Margaret Scott, Mary Eastie, who is the sister of Rebecca Nurse and Sarah Cloyce, Alice Parker, Ann Prudiker, Wilmot Rudd, Samuel Wardwell and Mary Parker are all executed. And this is the last date of the execution during the Salem witch trials. On October 3rd, the Boston minister, um, who he actually says, we need to stop this. We're no longer using spectral evidence. Enough is enough. Executions are done. We're not doing this anymore. And Cotton Mather writes, it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. So already individuals are starting to be like, I think we messed up feel really guilty yes 
And then October 29th comes and with public opinion beginning to turn against the Salem witch trials, uh, Governor Phipps dissolves the court of Salem and is like, you're done. You have just killing people. You've caused the death of 19 people. How are you signing off on these death warrants? You are done. Yeah. So it's also should be of note that the court system in the colonies was supposed to be a separation of church and state and not a religious court, like what was used in Europe. But unfortunately, it became a religious court. It is really sad. And like, even just going through the timeline again, just gives me a huge pit in my stomach of like, all these people died. There was mass hysteria. People were probably scared of their neighbor, their sister, their brothers, their family. And it was just a huge outbreak of just craziness. And just utter fear of, am I next? Or am I going to get bewitched? Or am I a witch? It's this literal fear. But, you know, not much evidence was going to be used. The main proponent was spectral evidence, which... Chelsea, yes. take Okay. So this, this is very fascinating. And I was reading a lot about this and this is why the Salem witch trials is so fascinating and so pivotal in our history is because of the use of spectral evidence. So spectral evidence, which by the way, I'm pulling this from the library of Cong- Congress. The definition is it's the testimony in which witnesses claimed that the accused appeared to them and did harm in a dream or a vision. So It's not even like them actually doing harm. It's like their spirit of their body that they see in a dream that's causing harm. So anyone can make that up, right? Yeah. To back this up, there was lore that witches could project themselves. So some could say in modern day, it would be called astral projection um, Mm -hmm. spiritually with the aid of Satan to harm victims from afar. So the witch would be in a location. She would project her like spirit out of her body and then go harm somebody, right? While she still stays in the location. Um, there were, there's evidence, a spectral evidence of witches punching, biting and harassing victims while being in a remote location. This evidence was used and entered into a court against the accused. So that is what spectral evidence is. That's why 10 kept referencing, um, the specter of a witch, which is like the, your spirit, whatever it is, harming people. Yeah. And only they would see it. You didn't need another witness. You didn't need another witness. Only you would have to be the one to see it. And if you said that it happened, it happened. So you could have had a dream about somebody. That's spectral evidence. Um, And that's what was being mainly used in the court of law here. You know what I just thought of really quickly? Wow, is this happening? Like your dreams are, you know, kind of like a gateway to your subconscious and stuff. How many people are having nightmares because of stress? Of course. Of course they are. And I, you know, we're we're not here to diagnose anyone's mental health situation, but- Using common sense and drawing conclusions, there's hysteria going on in this community. So obviously you could be having nightmares of you're fearing, you're fearful of Satan and witches. This is your religion. What if your, you know, your servant was practicing witchcraft? What if your neighbor was practicing witchcraft? So you're fearing for your life. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. So some of the other evidence that was used was also just really not great. Um, And this one is called the Lord's Prayer. And this is the one that 10 had briefly was about to mention. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing that could differentiate you, remember, put your 1692 cap on. Okay. Um, Put your cap on. One thing that a witch couldn't do was fully recite the Lord's prayer. So if you could recite the prayer, you weren't a witch. But what was interesting is most accused couldn't finish the prayer. 
So a lot of people tried to finish the Lord's prayer that were accused of witchcraft and were stumbling and fumbling over their words. And we could probably draw the assumption that it's because they were nervous that they were about to be executed for witchcraft. Yeah, that's going to make anybody stumble. But we do have evidence that someone did actually flawlessly recite the Lord's prayer. And his name is George Burroughs. Mm-hmm. And he was still executed anyway. So what happened with him was he was getting ready to be executed. He recites the Lord's prayer to convince his peers and his community one more time that he is not a witch. The crowd gathered there were actually ready to save him. Like people are getting ready to be like, okay, no, he recited the Lord's prayer. He is not a witch. He's wrongfully accused. And the people that were convicting him still weren't convinced. Mm-hmm. And it was ruled that it was the devil's trick and the devil could still recite the Lord's prayer, even though in their own laws, they say that he can't. So that one, I think made me really sad because you have this guy trying to save his life and it's almost like the community is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like he did it. They're yeah. trying to go save him and they're like, no, no, no. The devil's trick. Yeah. So. Um, Other tests were done. Um, Personal accusations is another way you could tell if you're a witch, um, which I'm going to go into in a second. So you could accuse somebody else um, Mm -hmm. and the presence of the devil's mark on your body. So if you had weird moles or scars or scrapes and you were accused, um, they would take a look at that and be like, well, you have the mark of the devil on you, which I don't know what it is. Could be anything. Uh yeah, a lot of times it was like birthmarks or moles, and then yeah, they things would, that were just weird. They would try and prick it with a pin to see if it drew blood, or yep. poke it really hard to see if you flinched, and if you didn't, you were a witch. Yes, which we all have like birthmarks and like weird scars and things like that. So that's just a few of the things that they would test to see if you were a witch, right? Sixteen ninety two hat. <sighs> but I do want to go into some of the symptoms, and I think this is. The most interesting because people were having these symptoms. So I can understand why they thought witchcraft was present. And I still, and Ted and I are going to talk about at the end, do not understand why. I mean, I do, but I don't, you know, understand why people had these symptoms. Yes. Let me give you a list. Mm -hmm. This is actually documented. So these were the symptoms of if you had witchcraft afflicted upon you or if you were a witch. Hysteria. Okay. Okay. Convulsing. Mm -hmm. Forgetfulness motionless, staring off into the space, screaming, babbling, and choking sounds. We're at the very far end of this person is really afflicted compared to some people having like this weird hysteria, but we're still being accused. Um, Mm -hmm. So on the, the extreme, it's screaming, babbling, and making these like choking sounds, which people were doing. Yeah. Um, it was widespread, mostly in young women, like 10 said, it was mostly children and teenage girls. And unfortunately, some like older adult women were accused and John Proctor. Um, the most notable story is going back to the beginning was the reverend's daughter. Um, she had these symptoms and all of a sudden her cousin started to have the same symptoms and therefore they thought it was contagious. Yes. So in turn, everyone started to accuse one another because now all of these, this group of young women is just starting to act not normal. Crazy. Yeah. Um, One of the, and I think this has been disproven. Um, one of the things that people tried to say later on was that it could have been ergo poisoning, um, which is a rye bread fungus that happens that can cause you to hallucinate um, 
have hysteria, convulsions, things like that. And I think that one was disproved, but a lot of people were like, why is this happening? Why is this group of young women acting this way? All of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was in an article in the seventies that it was like, okay, we think that the group of rye was like bad that year. And then a lot of people were affected from it. And then in that same journal, they came out and said, probably not everybody in the community had it. It it could have happened to a few people and maybe that's how it started. But it was also the time period when LSD was becoming a little bit more pronounced in our own history. So mm-hmm. people wanted to be like, it's this, it's that, which I think it's just a pressure cooker of just a ton of things happening. Me too. And when you take the conditions of the time period, like we had stated in the beginning, the fact that women weren't able to think outside of their own beliefs. They, they were, it's like hammered into your head. You know what I mean? Like, this is all that, you know, um, I actually call this group think where it's like, which we'll discuss at the end. We'll, we'll go into like, why do we think this happened? Um, but it's just, I think it's just hysteria that's spreading through. But if you were accused, you Mm -hmm. had a choice. Okay. These are your choices to say someone accuses you 10 as a witch I'm accusing you. Okay. You could either save yourself by accusing somebody else. Okay. That, that makes you, you're done null and void. You've accused somebody else. So great. Thank you for helping us and doing your service. Or you could die a martyr and be wrongfully convicted. And those were the only two options that you had. So what would I do? I'm I'm not, I'm not even sure if I want to ask you what you would do, because I don't think anyone can in their right mind can decide that. Um, most chose to accuse their neighbors, families, and beloved friends and turned on one another, feeding more into the hysteria. And it makes sense because you had a family you had, what if you were pregnant? Um, you have kids, you're going to try to save yourself in most cases, right? For your family. Yeah. Yeah. You might have to wear the title of witch for the rest of your life, but at least you're alive. Yes. Kind of deal. So that was like a really big thing. And, um, you know, people were accusing each other, each other of everything. It was, it was anything like, for example, um, say I came to your house 10 and I asked you to watch Pluto for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And you said, Chelsea, I can't watch Pluto. I already have two cats. Um, sorry, sorry. You can't go on vacation because you can't watch. I I can't watch Pluto for you. And five minutes later, Iroh, something happens to Iroh. He's not in your house anymore. He's missing. Who yeah. are you going to blame? 1692 hat says it's Chelsea did something. Right. Cause I was mad at you. Cause you couldn't watch my cat. So yeah. people are just accusing one another over like the dumbest, probably most meaningless things. But at this point, the hysteria is so wide and so deep that they were just accusing anyone of being a witch. Yeah. They're going to look for more like human interactions as the issue rather than like, Oh, something happened to Iroh. Not that I left the back door open, right. but that Chelsea bewitched him, you know? Right. It was my specter that came yes. and swoop, swooped him up into the night and I took him home with me. And pinched him. <laughs> and I pinched him and I bit him. <laughs> Poor baby. Pinching, biting, and harassing Iroh. <laughs> Not my baby. But it's like, you know, you don't have to answer, but it's like, what would you do in this situation? You save yourself and accuse somebody else. And then you have to die knowing that you were the reason why someone could have been executed that also probably had a family was probably your neighbor. You saw them at church. 
or you die yourself a martyr and be wrongfully convicted for something you didn't do. That is a choice I hope I never have to make. Right? So it's just, you know, the more that we were diving into this, it just made me sick to my stomach because you get why the hysteria was so widespread now. Absolutely. And it's, it's something that we can't even fathom in 2023, you know? No. And, you know, my thoughts, I think we should just move into our final thoughts now that we've presented, you know, this is the very baseline of the Salem witch trials. Listen, we could be here five part series on each person and like everything that was going on. Um, so if you're interested, definitely look into it. There's a couple good documentaries out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but my thoughts is that it was group think. And I learned this actually when I was in college as a communications major that, you know, people were afraid to speak up because they would have been pinned as the witch. So it's like, everyone's just kind of either some people are thinking this is a a load of crap, which we are starting to see towards the end where like people are really like, I don't believe in this anymore. Like a small group of people are like, no, they wanted to save that one guy that was able to recite the whole prayer. Um, Some people really did believe it. And it's like fear of speaking up because you weren't allowed. Yeah. I feel like I've come to a, a a better understanding of like, it was just a whole situation that, you know, these people truly thought that the devil was real and was living in Salem and they needed to do something to get rid of him. And I cannot even imagine living in that fear. I think I've come to a better understanding, but I think it's what happens after the Salem witch trials that make me like question things and it kind of ruffle my own feathers I think Mm -hmm. in the sense of like it's almost immediate that like people are trying to hide what happened like nothing can be written about this it's the fact that you know people a few years later are like experiencing guilt but only one person ever publicly admits that like they played a role in this Oh, of course. It's the shame that comes with it of, I almost feel like it's like an out-of-body experience for them where it's like, I can't believe I was that person and I allowed all this to happen. And mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be this Puritan that lives by these very strict rules. And I'm sure community was one of them, right? Of like, yeah. you know, your community is everything to you. And then it's like, they're probably worried about their own salvation when you think about it. Oh, absolutely. Because salvation was everything to these individuals. Yes. Like that was their promise at the end of this hard life. And they killed innocent people. So they're probably thinking they're going to hell. I mean, yeah, they breathe the wrong way. And the Puritan belief is that's demonic. Exactly. So I will say this, that after the Salem witch trials um, in 1711, the colony of Massachusetts actually passed a bill that overturned the witchcraft uh, convictions only of 22 individuals. And 22 out of over 100 people were exonerated. This doesn't change until 1945, when a bill is introduced to clear six more names of those convicted. And 12 years later, in 57, a resolution is finally passed that pardons other individuals. And you think it's over then. On October of 2001, the missing names are finally added to the 1957 resolution. So in 2001, you're like, oh my gosh, finally, everybody's cleared. No, no, they're not. 
August 2021. Though it was believed that the proceedings in October 2001 had cleared the names of all those wrongly convicted in 1692, it was discovered that one name had been overlooked. Thanks to the work of historian Richard Haidt, the efforts of an eighth grade class in North Andover, Massachusetts, cleared the name of Elizabeth Johnson Jr., who was not executed, but she lived with the accusation that she was a witch for almost all of her life. She's got the chills. Yeah. These poor people. It's like, you know, you, you have to feel bad. And it's like, like I said, if you put your 1692 hat on, I mean, obviously some people were accusing people because people had lands. They wanted to move in on things. They wanted them to die and be executed so they can have what they have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that definitely was a theory. And I don't know. It's just a really, really sad, tragic thing. And yes, it was and really hard to research. It It was. And they did find the execution area. Um, Historians in 2017 found it. And there is a memorial there uh, with all the names of those who uh, were killed at that site with the dates of their execution there. So that is a place that you can actually visit today. Yes. Well, (laughs) heavy enough, but shall we dive into what we actually think about Salem? Because I think we've kind of been saving this for a while. And I just want to say, this is Ten and I's opinion. This is no, in no way taking shots at people that live in Salem or no. the businesses in Salem. No, no, no. This is just personally how we feel about Salem. And as two people have been there separately and didn't even discuss it. Oh yeah. We both kind of came to the same conclusion. Yeah. You want to kick us off? Sure. I- I'll be the, I'll be the hated one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I find Salem to be a very strange place. I loved I loved yeah. it when I went. I think it's a very cool town with a very dark history. And it's not even just like the witch trials. Like there's so like colonial America in general is just a very, very interesting time period to me. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I went to the House of the Seven Gables. I actually did a lot of historical tours, which I loved the House of the Seven Gables. It was my favorite. I told yeah. Ted and Kevin to go when they went. Um, I like the you know, the very small stores that are there. Um, It's a very cute town. But I did find it weird that some people were fetishizing the Salem witch trials when I was there. And I I went like a few years ago. Um, And after I had gone on a historical tour, I think I just started thinking differently of like, it is, we, we all have to say, it is weird that witches have moved in on this town to practice witchcraft on top of a place where people were executed and accused for witchcraft, which was something very against their beliefs. And it's just like, how did it get that way? You know, I would be end up here. Thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? No, I, I actually came to the same kind of conclusion. I ended up going there this July and we only, we were only there for a night, but it was interesting because we did the historical stuff because that's really what I was more interested in. And so we did the witch museum. We did the house, of the seven gables, um, saw the cemetery, saw the memorials. And the longer I was there, it was also interesting because the hotel that we were staying in had like a witch craft and tarot convention going on mm-hmm. and going through everything. Like after doing all the history, I remember sitting down at dinner with Kev and I was like, I feel weird. Like, yes, 
Salem is always talked about like it's great. I we were talking to some locals that were telling us that they make basically their mortgage or their rent for the entire year in like three weeks. And like that's fantastic. Like tourism has done so much for this community. But at the same time, when you break down everything that's going on, you kind of have to question yourself of like what happened? Like, why are is this like the place for witches to go? when 19 innocent people were killed and they weren't witches. And I think that's a really big misconception. Um, and it leads me to my next point of people Mm -hmm. fetishizing the burning at the stake of being a witch. Like, yes, I can't stand the, we are the daughter of the witches that you can't burn tagline because it's like, historically, when you look at people that were being executed for witchcraft, they were women and yeah, they could have been healers in their community or people that knew a lot about herbs and medicinal things. But I guarantee you that most of them didn't consider themselves witches. And as yeah. someone who classifies themselves as a witch, I no way in hell identify with the Puritans of 1692, nor think that I have some sort of like rite of passage to venerate them as witches because they weren't when you actually no. study it. No, they weren't. And it, the witches that you can't burn like Europe was the one who did that Europe did the burnings we as Americans we gave them inhumane deaths and you know they were innocent and you know a lot of individuals in Europe a lot more were men but you know in New England it was mainly women so we also have to take that into account and it's it's just a weird thing that I kind of had to come to terms with of why do people want to be like a witch who was burned at the stake? And I don't know why I just don't understand it. Um, And I couldn't imagine being an individual who was accused and knowing that these individuals were Puritans and, you know, it's under the umbrella of Christianity. I could not imagine trying to turn somebody else in or say that, yes, I was one in order to save myself back then. Yeah, it it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. It's like Salem was so fun. I had a really good time when I was there. I stayed for, I think, three three nights. I stayed in a haunted bed and breakfast, you know. But I, <laughs> when you do the historical tours, you know, you're kind of like, it puts you in this different mindset of like, it is kind of weird that people are doing like smoke show witchcraft in the middle of the street when right there is the memorial next to the cemetery of the, peop- the Puritans that were executed for something they didn't do. You know, and it's like, why is that happening? Why did it happen? And it's not to blame the people that are in Salem today, but it's like, how did this town to take it like a a higher step that was known for this horrific event? This is not happening anywhere else. Yeah. Build a community of witches and witchcraft when these people were executed for something they didn't believe in. Yeah. I don't know of another area, maybe in the world that has this has this thing of something terrible happened and now what people accused those innocent victims of it has now become a town of or a city of i don't know of any like comparable evidence of what that would even be similar to i don't know and i and i thought about that a lot and it's like you know it does make you think it does make you think so um you know especially as someone who like is very big on honoring the dead and honoring their stories i think it's really important that if you do go to salem you do understand the actual history because i don't think people actually know people actually think witches were executed you know what i mean they think that and it's not uh-huh. true um they were the exact opposite and it's like 
I don't know. It's just very strange, but yeah, no, no hate to the people of Salem or Salem today. Like I know tourism is a huge part of their business, but it does beg the question as to how did that town get to be that way? I don't know. And even today, presently, um, I did go on like a paranormal, like ghost walking tour in the night. How has this town become so sensationalized? Oh, that's what I meant to talk about. Yeah. So Chelsea had gone, of course, way before me. And I had asked her, hey, do you recommend like doing like a ghost tour? Like, I really want to like this place is crawling with like just residual energy. Yeah. History. Yeah. I want to learn more about the history. And one of the like most famous ones, like probably the top one that you click on for like Salem ghost tours. Won't, won't, won't do the name of it. I won't, I won't give you guys the name because I don't believe in butchering people's businesses because I own one. Oh. But but it is a big one that Chelsea told me to stay away from. It was, I couldn't believe, and it could have just been my tour guide. So I don't want to like butcher the business. I went with two of my friends. I actually had to leave the tour because of how sensationalized they were saying that the ghosts of the the Puritans that they executed, like haunt the town square and everything. And I just like, it just gave me a pit in my stomach of like, the whole thing was just bullshit. Um, I know ghost tours, you know, I know people exaggerate things, right? You're trying to excite people. You want to spook people. You want to scare them. But the way that they were presenting the history of Salem after I had just done this historical tour was so weird to me. And I think it was probably just my tour guide. Um, I had to like, we left the tour early. We paid for the tour. We left the tour. I was like, there's no way. Um, this is crazy. And I don't usually do ghost tours, but some, sometimes you get a, a really good guide with a lot of good history, which you got, which I you did. told me. And I was like, so jealous. I'm like, damn it. You know? Yeah. I was really lucky. I went to a smaller one and it was really well done. It was actually like, if I had to like lead a tour like that, I would have done the same thing. The way that my guide just gave respect to the deceased, but didn't sensationalize was using logic and information and facts and was like, here's the history. Here's what people say they have experienced. And I'm going to leave it up to you. Like, it's not my job to convince you. No, no. Mine was using spectral evidence. (laughs) That's what I got. The spectral evidence tour. I was like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to get out of here. What there were definitely like tours who were doing that. We were asking the tour guide, like, cause he was actually having two people shadow him. So he was actually teaching these uh, people who were going to take over, especially for Halloween, ethics. And I was like, why? Wow. You have, like, this is incredible. So I was like, tell me more about, like, your ethics as, like, a paranormal, like, ghost tour. Like, <laughs> I, I love that for you. And I wish I had that. And I'm, but I'm so happy I stopped you from booking the thing that I did because maybe you would have not experienced this. But really? also, too, I want to give a quick shout out to the Ugly Mug Diner. That's my favorite place in Salem, like, to eat for breakfast. And if anyone works there, best place ever like it's it's so fun I have like a good list of recommendations um of places I I I did love the town like I said it was just the whole ideology of how did we become the mecca of witchcraft on top of an execution place of witchcraft you 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 have to admit even if you're from Salem it's weird and you have to admit it I'm sorry like hand up we all gotta say it's weird we we gotta say the table like like great hocus pocus was filmed here great love that great for tourism kind of weird we got to break it down kind of weird yeah the bewitch statue is there it's kind of weird like we we have to just say it's weird and salem is a weird place it's chock full of residual energy and paranormal like my haunted 
you know, bed and breakfast was definitely haunted. My friends wanted to kill me because I just book things and don't tell them. And they were like, is there a ghost? Is there a ghost in this place? I'm like, oh, come on, you guys. In New Orleans, I booked a haunted hotel and you knew I was going to do it this time. (laughs) I know. I didn't stay in a uh, like a and b but the hotel we were at was, oh, oh, it was so spooky. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I had a ghost that was like. I knew it was messing with my friends because like I I knew it was there and it was like definitely messing with them in their sleep. So and I was like, yeah, that's what you get for not believing in ghosts. Now it's going to mess with you. See, I make friends. I liaise with the ghosts in that space. I say, hi, how are you? You need anything? Can I get you something? You're comfortable? Oh, good. I'm tired. Please don't play with the mirror in front of me. I'm exhausted. and I'm trying not to slip in the shower. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already scared. I'm already scared. So I'm scared. You're scared. We're all scared. (laughs) We're all scared. It's scary. Everything about it's scary. But um, you know, I did I did like Salem, like I said, and want to reiterate that it just you had to I had to definitely ask myself some questions after. Me too. Like some things I, I did, I was like, you know, I don't oh God, and please with the Wiccan agenda, do they push the Wiccan agenda like they're getting paid by the Wiccans? They probably are. Oh my God. Okay, Everywhere this- in Salem is Wiccan. And that listen, Wicca Wicca is a belief system, it's not a practice. And that's fine. But man, is it like getting forced down your throat like Christianity sometimes? Yeah, it was crazy because witchcraft, as we all know, on sticks and bones is a practice, not a belief system. And in the back end of the Salem Witch Museum, they do a pretty good job of like saying like, oh, what are modern day like witch hunts that like we've seen in like recent history? And then at the end, it really does like push like Wicca. Because it has like these like mannequins being like, and now we're Wiccan and like life is good and everything. And they have like the wheel of the year. And I'm, I was just standing there with Kevin like, what is this? I'm confused. You're confused. I'm confused. Like, have you guys looked into the dark history of Wicca? Like, Yeah, it, it is. It's a little funky sometimes. This is why we say sometimes you just gotta. I highly suggest this is my suggestion for anyone going. And I can't remember if I said this already. Definitely dive into the history first. So you yeah. have a better understanding. And like, yes, enjoy Salem. Like there are a lot of great places there. Um, if anyone wants my weird Salem recommendations, let me know. Maybe I'll post it somewhere. Um, some of the businesses okay. I went to that I enjoyed. There were some a lot of things I didn't enjoy. Um yeah. but you know, just understand like where you are and what's going on around you. Absolutely. I do have a book recommendation for the uh, Salem Witch Trials. Ooh, uh, yes. This was hyper fixation since I went there. So it is by Marilyn Roach, who was one of the historians who actually located uh, Proctor's Ledge, which was the site of the executions back in uh, 2017. So her book is called Six Women of Salem, The Untold Story of the Accused and Their Accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. So it focuses on um, six the first six women to be accused and it's it's insane but very very good it's a thick read but it's good yeah if you're like you know this is going to be your hyper fixation for a while yes and she is like one of the leading historians so i highly recommend her that's really cool i love that well do you have anything else you want to add to our salem witch trials episode i know this was a, a little bit of a rough one but you know we do have to talk about the dark history and the dark history of witchcraft and people being accused of it it's important yeah. I think what we can take away from this is there are still modern witch witch trials and accusations happening today. Oh yeah. So just stay curious, stay spooky, but question, question everything. Spectral evidence is not allowed. 
We yelled about that one time of like, we can't say spectral evidence. My tarot deck said, no, no, no. Let me tell you something. I never, ever would publicly accuse somebody of something because my grandma told me that that does not enter into an evidence of court of law, even if it's correct. Right. I know I'm a medium and I know I get right messages from my ancestors. I would Mm -hmm. never sit here and be like, my ancestors told me that tons of piece of shit. And I would never say that publicly to people because where is my evidence? No, you don't have it. (laughs) You don't have it. So maybe just keep it to yourself. Okay. <laughs> keep that, keep that nugget of knowledge to yourself. Oh yeah. But with that being said, we still have a great lineup for not only the rest of Halloween, the rest of spooky season, but through November and the first week of December. Oh, I'm going to then- tell the people what's happening in December. I'm going to tell them the big one because I want you guys to be excited. To the big one? I-, I think you should like, because after this big one, we're gone with the wind. <laughs> After we drop this bomb on you, we are hiding underground. And the only way to get us is by performing necromancy. And we, we're not coming up unless it's good. We are, this is highly requested, and we were going to do it. We are diving into Lilith in December. So uh, Forgotten Women of the Bible Part 2, we're talking about Lilith. We did Lucifer. We did Mary. We did Yael and we did Judith. So... We're coming at you hot in December with Lilith. And then we have like a Christmas special and then we're done. We are, we're poof, disappearing. We become spectral evidence ourselves. We'll become the specter. Was that what it's called? Like the ghosts, like the specter? Yeah, the specters. But with that- In your dreams. Oh yeah, we'll be pinching. We'll be pinching. (laughs) Pinching and biting. (laughs) But with that being said, let us know who you want us to discuss next. What crazy thing do you want us to investigate? Do you have a spooky house for us? Let us know below. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. Oh, damn. You did the outro. I feel like I, I something was taken from me. I, I was a 10 in motion. A 10 in motion stays in motion. <laughs> I, was, I looked at you and I feel so betrayed. I'm like, that is my job. Like, subscribe, rate our podcast in the store. See you next time. Bye. Oh, <laughs>